Hey guys, back to the Coin Shop Podcast. My name is Kenny Duncan Jr. alongside my brother Matthew. We have a great guest today, the founder of Jimmy Changas, the founder of Gringo's Tex-Mex, which we ate for a long time and never even knew that it was Russell. And uh, Lunchbox and Burger Libre. His name's Russell Ibarra. He's an awesome guy, a guy I met a few years ago through a mutual <clears throat> friend, just an absolute stud of a guy, um, a guy that runs an amazing business, has an amazing model, really takes care of people, and really has been an inspiration to us and someone that's been able to set the bar and allow, uh, allow our minds to think in terms of taking care of our own backyard before expanding out. And that's something that we've been able to do and we continue to do with people like Russell. So we thought, why not have Russell on the podcast? He said, okay, here we are. Here Russell, am. how are you? I'm doing fantastic. If I was doing any better, I'd be worried. <laughs> doing well. I like well. it. I like it. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, we actually had you scheduled to come on a couple months ago, and um, I was unable to make it. And I'm glad that you, uh, sometimes once you have one shot, yeah. sometimes you don't get another one. It's true. Right? Yep. I blocked out all of April and May because I'm taking off the entire summer, so you got me. Here I am. Sweet. Right. Well, we're excited to have him. We, have, we are. Yeah. We're excited, we're to, excited have to have you. I'm yeah. excited to have him too, but yes. I'm excited <laughs> excited to have you. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit how you got started. Well, I grew up in the industry. Uh, my father started a small chain of restaurants. He opened his first restaurant in 1960, an entire year before I was born. And um, he struggled with that first location in Laporte. And then he brought on a gentleman that really helped him in terms of cooking, um, mass production cooking. And my father was able to open up his second store, his third store, his fourth store. And they, uh, they started a central kitchen in Baytown where I worked as a young kid making tamales and doing other things. But this was um, uh, back in the, in the early or late 60s, early 70s. But uh, Mr. John was his name, Juan Martinez. And uh, so that's where I got my start. I earned my MBA at uh, Gringo or El Toro Laporte. <laughs> I say MBA because it stands for mop bucket attendant. <laughs> and, but it was the best education I could have ever gotten. And I was very fortunate because my father, because of his upbringing and background, uh, he was a dreamer. And I'm very lucky that I grew up under that under his vision because um, he, he felt a lot, and uh, as did I. But things didn't turn around until I took my focus off making money. It was all about now producing the absolute best product that I possibly could. And um, things changed once I did that. So a lot of similarities there. So our dad actually grew up in the port. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. So yeah, my, my grandfather, uh, my grandmother, and my dad, and uh, the two brothers and sister, they actually lived in the port for a long time. Do you know what street? <laughs> I could ask him. Yeah. Um, I don't. You know, we, we went down there one day just for the heck of it. But, you know, anytime someone's from the port, you should see his eyes. He, he lights they light up. He loves them. He just, he just thinks it's such, cause some of his fondest memories are from there, right? He was a kid, you know, catching alligator gar, you yeah. know, he was yeah. just, you know, when you, when, when he does, he doesn't go into a lot of stories, but when he does and the port gets brought up, I think it's, I think it's a cool spot for him in his, you know, the way that he feels about it. So that's pretty cool. Um, and like us, I mean, we, we try to follow in our father's footsteps, right? I mean, you know, uh, I, I, Actually, at one point in my life, I had gotten out of the restaurant business. Swore to myself I would never get back into oh, it. Oh, really? But I only did because one of his restaurants that he owned in Pearland had failed. 
and uh, he turned around and leased it to two other restaurants and they also failed. And so here he is, the landlord, no one wants to even lease or buy this building now. And I'm the one that was responsible for cutting the check to the bank. And the payment was $4,852.10 a month. It's a number that was so difficult to make at the time that it's seared on my brain for eternity. So I went in, and that's, again, when, I, when the philosophy of making money was just thrown out the window. I, di- I didn't want to make It wasn't about making money. It was strictly about producing the absolute very best product that I knew how to make. And uh, when we opened, uh, we only opened up half of the restaurant because we didn't have enough money to go buy used tables and chairs <laughs> with the other side. Wow. And so we opened with 25 tables, 100 guests, wow. 100 seats. And we didn't even open with a liquor license. Our first day of sales, we did $580. And the second day, we did about the same. And on the third day, one of my siblings, who was dead set against us opening this property or reopening it, because it had already been an El Toro, when he had called on the third day to ask me what we had done, and I told him, he said, that's it. Close the damn place. We did more the first time we were there, which was true. But it wasn't there. Yeah. Uh, and here I am. But like I told him, and I remember exactly what I told him, I said, so long as those $580 worth of guests are happy and pleased, they'll come back. And they've been coming back. So we, we're about to open our 20th uh, full-service restaurant in Conroe later this year. We opened up College Station last year. Congrats we, to that. Man. Yeah. 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 And, and it was our strongest opening to date. And we feel that there's something very special about the brand. Uh, we don't want to open it or open a location, just to open a location. Uh, we don't want to outgrow our management capabilities, and uh, we want each store to be special, almost like a Bucky's, if you will. Right. Uh, just it has to make sense. It has to be special. And uh, there's a certain magic when you do it right that uh, not only do your do your team members pick up on, but also the community at whole. So yeah, we um, we're, we're very fortunate. We have 2,900 um, close to 2,900 team members now. Uh, we have a full-time general counsel, CFO, chief marketing officer. We have a COO, and our corporate offices are there in Laporte in the building that we own that's free and clear and keeping our overhead low. Uh, I don't believe in um, having a high corporate overhead for uh, a business where your margins are, are slim, and like most businesses, they're slim. No doubt. So. I don't think people realize just how slim margins are, really are sometimes. You know, once, you know, once you really start looking at a balance sheet and really start breaking things down, I mean, it, it costs a lot of money to be the boss. It's yeah, we, expensive. Yeah. It's amazing what we go through to earn, you know, five and 10 cents on the dollar. Oh, it's nuts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but we have to put up with a lot for sure. <laughs> right. But, I can imagine. But one of the things I always remind our, our senior management team and executives and all, uh, listen, anything and everything that we're going through our competition is going through the very same thing. So it's just a matter of how we respond to it and, and, and act. And I think if we just do a better job, uh, we'll have an advantage over them. So, right. And I think we do. <clears throat> well, it's one of those deals. We look, it's hard not to realize you'd be a fool to run a business and not look to see what your competitors are doing. Right. A lot of times people have said to me, I think you're too fixated on what they're doing. And, and, and I, my rebuttal to them is watch us grow because we can put our spin on things. You know, right. you, we have a brand and a way of doing things, right? Yeah. And, you know, maybe somebody thought of something that we didn't think of. And, you know, sometimes I look at it like, how can I do it better, right? How can we improve on this? Hey, this was a great idea. And I'll tell them, you know, um, you know, with to, when it comes to when advertising is the biggest one, right? So I, I believe we're the only coin shop that does run television spots. 
And we had, I don't know, 20, 30 people tell us it was a horrible idea. And it's been one of the best things we've ever done. Um, you know, um, when it came to Michael Berry, uh, advertising with Michael Berry. Oh, I mean, I can't tell you how many naysayers it was. Yeah, we had a, oh, we had a bunch crazy. Yeah. I had people yeah. calling us on the phone saying, you need to get off of that channel. You guys are going to kill your brand. This and that. I said, this is what we believe in. If you don't like it, sorry. Well, yeah, there's a lot of critics out there and I try to pay attention to the ones that I have actually done with what yeah. they're wanting me to do. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, especially when it comes to even compensation, uh, you know, we've been, our industry has a stigma of uh, low wages, but um, I think we pay better than most anyone, but we pay according to our ability, according to what the business can, can afford. But if someone com uh, criticizes whatever we're paying, I always like to respond, well, wh how much are you paying your employees? And in most cases, of course, they don't even have employees, but it's easy for someone <laughs> yeah. to tell someone else what, who to pay or what to pay and when how much, but, shoes. but they, but, they, they themselves are not doing it. So anyway, I, I don't pay attention to them. Not to flip flop, but I want to go back to something you said earlier because it, it, it resonates with me because I've seen this a lot in my life. People who have worked in restaurants <clears throat> and I'm not going to say servers and not nothing against servers or bartenders or barbacks or that stuff, but dishwashers, uh, support staff, you know, line cooks, you know, prep cooks, those guys have a different drive. All right. Yeah. Those guys for, or guys or girls, for whatever reason, seem to have a different drive. When I was growing up, and you remember this, I worked in my grandma's kitchen. Yeah. Our grandmother had a sushi bar on Fondren for almost 30 years. Sushi? Sasaki. Yeah, Sasaki. Really? Yeah, Sasaki wow. on West Tyron Fondren. Wow. Yep. She was there for nearly 30 years. She opened in 79. My dad, my dad, you know, uh, was in the bar business, um, you know, and that's kind of where he grew up. And I feel like, you know, I washed dishes there for two years and then she let me start helping prep in the kitchen. And then I was the actual cook in the kitchen. I wasn't the chef. There was a sushi chef named Toda-san who, who had been with her for, for ages. And I learned a lot from him and I love the kitchen. I mean, that's honestly, I was working at a, uh, I was at, working at a scrapyard at the, during the day. So I would, you know, I'd, I'd show up around 730 and I'd get off at four. I would drive from North Shepherd to Fondren and Westheimer and work in the kitchen until about 1030. I did that for almost three years. And I feel like if I don't have that, I'm not here today. I agree. If I, I don't, agree. if I don't do that. So my son right now, who's 12. And if you're listening, if you're watching, this is happening. My buddy owns some restaurants. I think you might know Mike Collins. He owns a couple sushi bars um, in town regardless. But if not, I want my son to wash dishes at 15 or whatever age they'll let him in there, his butt's going in there because there's just something about the kitchen, the environment, the way it moves, the pace, the rhythm. You have to work hard. If you don't, everything fails. Everything. So true. So true. My first job was, um, well, my very, very first job was delivering chips and salsa to the table when I was only so high, but I didn't really officially start working until I was about 14. And my first job was dishwasher. Yeah. And, there was just something challenging about, um, uh, in our, back in those days, we used to use a bus cart and we would load the, the, the bus boys would load the bus cart with the dirty dishes and roll back to the kitchen. And we had to turn that cart as quickly as we could. Yeah. And our, you know, our, our challenge and drive was to turn as quickly as possible and always, you know, just do a good job. But dishwashing, um, you know, we have, uh, obviously, uh, several, 
dishwashers at uh, all 20 stores. If we have five per location, we have 100 dishwashers or more. But, you know, I always recognize that when I walk into the restaurants, I always go back to the back and you know, say hello to them um, and ask them if there's anything we need, if they need anything, or I'll, I'll just hand them a 50 or or $100 bill and tell them thank you. Uh, because dishwashers, people don't realize how important a dishwasher is to a restaurant. They walk out. Either management's gonna have to get back there, or someone will, but no one wants to. No, I mean it's it's not it's not the the glorious job of a restaurant. They're they're unseen, they're invisible, but my but to me they're not invisible. I know they're there, and they know that I know they're there, and I want to take care of them. Well, that's important. Oh, them very. knowing, yeah, if they know that you're there, um, you know, I, I can remember a couple of times, and I and I hadn't even thought about this until we started talking about it, but. You know, I can remember times where, you know, I would I would pre-rinse everything and then I would, you know, scrub everything and then everything goes on the the cart and it goes into the, you know, pull it down, hit the button. And I remember pulling out of the out of the the, the cleaner, um, the dishwasher, and I remember just spot checking, making sure because that was my family's restaurant. Right. Yeah. Like the last thing in the world you want is crusty, Food, you know, wasabi on, on the plate. plate. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever yeah. it is, right? So I mean, I remember having looked at you know scrubbing it, putting it in the next cart, and putting it back in in the next load. Um, and I remember there's just like a, yeah, it was the low man on the totem pole job, but man, I took pride in that job. Yeah. Right. I mean, I was a best damn dishwasher in the, in the city of Houston, man. Second, and that's second what, best. Yeah. Well, in my mind I was first. Okay. So, but my point is, is that yeah, I thinking back of that a restaurant, you know, my brother will, uh, was a server for many years. And I feel like sometimes the servers have different attitudes than the, than the dishwashers, but, um, yeah, uh, washing dishes will humble you for sure. And I think, I mean, I, I wish every kid in school could could work in a restaurant before they go out and pursue other other careers. But it just uh, it's it's a great place to develop and grow up for sure. Yeah, and it's just a different type of drive. And again, it's that pace. You know, when you, when it's busy, man, and it normally it's always busy at a restaurant. I mean, it's there's a there's a lot of pace. I mean, you have to keep up. You know, and I remember, hey, we need glasses. You know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I mean, you know, we, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, how do you not have glasses? I mean, how many places yeah. did you break over the years? Um, yeah, a lot. <laughs> my son, <laughs> lot. Uh, when he was younger, he was probably about 14 years old. He was working at Gringos in Laporte, and uh, he was carrying a stack of plates in his arms. I mean, a tall stack which he shouldn't have been doing. She'd been on a cart, but anyway, he's carrying it and he was wearing tennis shoes and, and the floor was a little wet. slippery <laughs> and he, it went, his feet went out from under him. Oh wow. That and, uh, and his, his entire goal was not to break any plates as he was going down and he hits the ground, all these plates are all over him and he didn't break one plate. He was so proud of himself. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> it's like, I got a broken arm, but uh, I didn't break any plates. Exactly. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about, so like we're having, well, we're noticing an uptick in theft. We're we're noticing an uptick in just overall not being comfortable with what we've been seeing, what our customers. So there's been a deal where customers are getting followed from banks now, right? Right, and they're getting jugged. And it's not just at coin shops; it's anywhere. You know, if you're at a bank, I mean, you've got to be aware yeah, of your surroundings. Yeah. You know, yeah. and a lot of times I'll tell our customers, like guys you go to the bank to pull out $10,000 worth of cash or whatever it is you're going to spend at our shop when all you could have, you could have just sent me a wire. You could have wrote me a personal check. You know, let's think debit of a card. safer debit card. debit card. Yeah. Yeah. Let's think of safer options here. Let's not, let's not risk in this environment because I feel like a lot of people are, I think they're clueless to what's really going on. I mean, and I'll just speak to, to Houston, you know, with the bond situation and, 
how lackadaisical it feels like, you know, or, um, you know, the city is taking, uh, they're not really taking to crime in my opinion. And it's affecting the way that we do business and we've had to beef up security. We've had to do a lot of other things. What are some of the things that you guys encountered and, and, and what are you doing to kind of to dance around it? Well, we've, uh, if you've seen the news lately, we've had a few break-ins and several actually. And so without giving away too many secrets, uh, I will say that we're going to, we're going cashless at several of our locations. And, and what, one of the things that happened was, um, these, they, these Brink safes are not the best safes in the world. And if someone knows they're in your building, that's what they, they go after. So we got hit at our Woodlands tour recently in, um, on Easter Sunday. <laughs> so obviously they don't, wow. take, they don't take off on Easter. Wow. But uh, they broke in. Think and of the worst they, they weren't do. able to get in. Uh, but uh, prior to them breaking in that store, I had seen the arrangement of our IT cabinet directly next to the safe. And I said, that's a terrible spot for the IT cabinet. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, they did some damage. And two of our IT guys had to go out and work on Easter Sunday to get the store back up and running. But, I mean, they're going to destroy whatever they need to to get to it. So, yeah. But we're making changes, and one of them is at uh, that location and Spring and Cypress, we're cashless. So it's all credit cards, debit cards, or mobile pay, which they can use their phone and do it. Yeah. What's your what's the community feedback on that? Well, the, the positive is uh, it, it's it been very positive overall. Okay. But the, the main reason is because only 10% of our business is cash anyway. It's, oh, okay. all, it's been credit cards and debits. Yeah. I don't know um, who doesn't have some form of other payment besides cash, whether it's Venmo or uh, Apple cash <coughs> or whatever. So yeah. there's there's ways to pay. And the mobile pay uh, using the QR code is very convenient because on your phone now you can use any form of payment yeah. you have there to pay for it. That's cool. Yeah, so it, it works. And um, I mean, I, I, Houston's or Hillstone on Kirby is cashless. Um, there's another restaurant chain that went cashless also. And I think you're just going to see it. More and more. one thing we've, we've already noticed, and this is a huge positive, is our management team is getting out of the store 30 minutes earlier. Oh, So it's time saver because they don't have to sit there and reconcile cash. Yeah, balance the, balance the cash. So. Which is a big one. It's a huge one. Yeah. And and the, yeah. uh, you know, we yeah. um, several years ago we were robbed at closing, after closing, and a manager had a gun to him. And, you know, that's just getting a little too dangerous now. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah. That's, that's when you have to, you got to make some, some gut, some gut level decisions at that point. Right. Right. It's good to hear that, you know, most of your, that only 10% of your business is cash. Cause you're going to have a lot of naysayers on the cash thing. I can feel that. You know, we've had a, we've had one or two that we had this one gentleman come in and he had all these badges all over him oh, and, gosh. and he sat in the to go room and, and the, and the uh, cashier told him, sir, we're, we're um, cashless. And, he wasn't having any of it. He was gonna, he was gonna pay with cash no matter what she said. So <laughs> he, I guess he must have seen or heard the story, and he just wanted to come in and prove his point, and it made him feel good. And we said we took his cash. Oh my god! But when I told managers, the management team, what they should have done, I said, "Sir, I'm gonna take your cash. I'm gonna pay with my credit card and earn the points off your cash, so I can go fly free somewhere." There you go. But yeah. uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah. What do you do? Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. These same people probably when they buy from Amazon, they're using their credit card. When they charge a buy an airline ticket, they're using their credit card. Yeah, but no, they they want to buy enchiladas. They they want to pay cash. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense. To each his own. Yeah, to each his own. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm glad to hear that you guys are 
you know, one thing in, you know, and being able to admire you from a distance in the way that you handle your business, it seems like, you know, it seems like your brands are always moving and they're progressive. They're always, you know, looking for new ways and new inventive ways to, um, you know, to cater to the customer. Cause at the right. end of the day, that's what we're all doing. Right. We're trying to, uh, streamline anywhere and everywhere we can. We're trying to, one of the things we're really focused on, uh, because of inflation is, uh, waste. So we're, it's a huge focus of ours. And one small example, one small change that we did that, that has already saved quite a bit is, um, our chip baskets. We had the, uh, the paper liner that goes inside that right. was yeah. larger than the basket itself. So the, yeah. of course that allows you to put more chips than a basket can actually hold. Okay. Yep. And so we reduced that to where it's a smaller liner inside and just trimming 15, 20% less chips per serving because the, the servers are notorious for bringing you a basket of chips and you don't even need it. Yeah. Cause you're, you're already, you're almost done with your meal, your meal. Yeah. But, Hey, here's another basket of chips just yeah. because I'm your server and I want to do a great job. Yeah. yeah. They're in the zone, right? And that, right. they're not counting how many chips you eat. So they're just moving, right? It's just. And so we're doing another uh, change with our salsa bowls. We're having some custom uh, manufactured bowls right now made out of Mexico, made in Mexico. And um, it's going to reduce the ounces. The, the perception is going to be the same. It's going to be the same size bowl diameter wise. Wow. But it's not going to be as deep. So if we can trim 20% there, uh, and for example, let's say we went from a four ounce, which is what we currently use to a three ounce bowl. If we can go to a three ounce bowl, so we reduce 25%. So every table is going to get at least two bowls. So that's eight ounces versus six ounces. So you're going to be wasting less because there's times where they'll take a whole salsa bowl back to the uh, yeah. dish pit. Right. And it's and in the dump trash. It. Yeah. 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 That's horrible. Yeah. 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 And it's just waste. It's just yeah. waste. And that waste has to be factored into your pricing structure. So <laughs> we're trying to keep our prices as low as possible. Yeah. Still delivering a high quality product, great experience and great atmosphere. And if we can do that, Angel's pennies will be successful. So how cool is that? So instead of raising prices and doing the easy way, like right? every, yeah, like the lazy of, way is, oh, let's, yeah, let's just tack on 5% and everybody else can pay for it. Right. Yeah. Or let's try to be inventive here. And let's, let's figure out if we can cut on our side and let's cut waste by 10 or 15%. And hopefully that'll be able to carry us through this inflationary time mm -hmm. without yeah. having to stick it to the customer, which sure. is what everyone else is doing. But not, I mean, so, I mean, to that point, I'm trying not to give away too much here. Um, we have gotten ourselves into uncomfortable situations in terms of volume to be able to keep our prices to our consumers down. So if you were to buy metals and you know that premiums are going up, the way to combat that is to buy in volume, to buy in volume and right. to buy on delay. So right. if you're like, Kenny, I want to buy some silver today. How much is it? Well, if you want to take it home today, it's X. But if you can wait two weeks, I can do it at 20 cents an ounce cheaper. Yeah. Or in gold, that would relate to like five bucks an ounce cheaper. Right. And you, we have a trusted relationship. You don't think, you know, we're not going anywhere. And you're like, I don't need it today anyway. I just want to buy it you because I, lock it in. I just want to yeah. lock it in. Exactly. I just want to know that it's there. And I want to know that I put X amount into it. And thanks for the discount. So we've incorporated structures like that to try to mitigate the price increases on things. And, and uh, because we don't want to see people just have, you know, these mints that they're like, Oh, we're just going to go up on our pricing today. Yeah. You're like, huh, we, they built, do we, we built a base. Right. And now you've, 
send us into a frenzy basically because now we have to we're working on such a low margin already i mean we work on very thin margins 10 years ago you wouldn't see that price increase three times a year you would see it no way we had had two price increases in the last two weeks yeah so we um speaking of pricing so our cfo who joined us in 2017 he used to manage a 70 unit chain of this other brand not mexican food but this other brand of restaurants and so he, um, we get a report on our prime cost, and uh, it's very detailed. I mean, very, very detailed. And so we can see uh, trends. Uh, we, can, we can see outliers with uh, one unit against another. We can see the, the total picture, the highs and the lows, and then the average, and, and the, all the outliers that you know, we need to go focus on. And it could be anything from... You know, the store's buying more avocados than all the others, that were, you know, based on the same sales. So, you know, how can we uh, go out and, and, and find the, the problem if, if there is one? But, um, and I forgot what I was going with that, but. Well, we were talking about pricing. We were talking about inflation and the people raising prices on the back end. So, yeah, so we, we try to, I mean, uh, again, um, our margins are very thin. Our, our uh, labor and food being the two top, cost items, but, uh, our food costs, we've always tried to maintain, uh, a cost of goods in the neighborhood of 33, 32 to 33% or food cost. And we include paper in that, um, in that number. And then our labor, we try to, to keep that anywhere from 25 to 26 and combined, we try to maintain a prime cost of 60% or less. Uh, we're as concerned, uh, if that prime cost goes 61 or 62 um or if it goes 58 59 or whatever we, we we're just as worried either direction because if one direction we're not making money the other direction we're we're not giving the, the, the guests their money's worth so to speak right so we're very sensitive to that and we feel that because of our volume that's our sweet spot 60 percent and um and it works <laughs> it just it just works that's i mean cool. yeah. uh, my, my son joined me um back in 20 13, 2014. And uh, besides going to Yale and being an, an architect, he did all seven years there, met his wife there at grad school. Um, he also went to Wharton and got his MBA. And so here's a guy, young, <laughs> I call him a guy, young kid, you know, shows me all these numbers and they're just numbers to me. I mean, you know, he, he'll tell me, hey, this is the valuation, this is this and that. I'll just say, okay. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I still look at, um, you know, balances. My, my, I, every week I get my uh, checking account balance report, um, certain, certain reports, just yeah. so I know where we're at. I have to know where I'm at. I don't, I don't care. I mean, it's not as important to be, to be where you're at as it is to know where you're at. 100%. You know, yeah. so, you but can, you but can't make decisions if, if you're, you don't, if you, if don't, you don't know. know what's going on. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's a big focus of ours. Yeah. And, and then not, not to be just reactive to any, any news report. Avocados are up or cheese or dairy or beef. Oh, we got to raise prices. No, we don't let our, let our competition be the ones that overreact to every news article out there. Let's just focus, uh, monitor and, and adjust if we have to, but a lot of times we don't. Uh, and, and even if we get killed on one single item, let's say for example, although our, our total cost of goods uh, sold is 32, 33%, we could have an entree or a particular item where our, our food cost is 40, 45%. But we still look at the average. What what do we what do we average out? 
because if you get hung up, hey, we're not making any money on that dish, and you start playing with that price point, then you're gonna you're gonna skew a lot of different things. No traffic doubt. being one. If you if your traffic goes down, you're in trouble. I mean, you're yeah. just in lot. You're in our business. We're in trouble. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. nothing worse than going to a restaurant that is slow, because number one, that means the food in the kitchen is not being rotated, and you don't want to go there at five o'clock because it's been rotating for hours or it's been sitting still for hours, should yeah. I say? And um, nothing like going to a busy restaurant at seven p.m. You know, just about everything's out of the kitchen that was there. Everything's fresh and good to go. But yeah, yeah uh, volume's <laughs> the key. Volume solves a lot of a lot of uh, problems for sure. Well, as we were talking earlier about our margins, and the only way we make it work is by volume, right? So that's that's it. Yeah. And when the traffic dies down in here, we crank it up. Yeah. And whether that's wholesale business, you know, we have a couple of different revenue streams. Right. Um, so we do bullion, as you know, mm-hmm. we, we're, we are, you know, we are rare coins. That's I didn't know, but I know now <laughs> <laughs> we are, we are rare coins, right? Um, you know, we do a little bit of memorabilia. We do a lot in watches. Uh, we do a lot in jewelry. So when things kind of tamper down one, we, we kind of flex to another and, sure. you know, then the digital stuff, the podcast stuff is, this is more fun, but. Yeah. One of y'all's, I, I believe one of y'all's uh, most uh, valuable traits or or ask uh, what I'm looking for characteristics of your business is the fact that y'all have a great reputation. Um, and that is the most valuable thing you can own in business is no your doubt. reputation. And you never want to lose that over pennies in some cases, yeah. but um, so that gives you an advantage right there over your competition because, because um, it just does. I mean, they, they don't, they're not in a position to, to do what you can do. I mean, I just had lunch at um, Taste of Texas before I came here. Great restaurant. I mean, Ed Hendy's done such a fantastic job. That's probably the busiest steakhouse in Houston, one of them. Oh, for sure. Uh, they do. They're you know, good friends of the store, too. Okay. Yeah. Well, good. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, the volume they do is just incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. So, I, you know, I just, uh, I, I just admire uh, businesses that have built slowly but surely over time because it takes time. And a lot of times people don't have patience for it. And sometimes they just don't have the time because their overhead structure puts them at a disadvantage. Well, and see, that's, that's kind of what attracts me to, well, I mean, I say attracts me not in a weird way, but like, that's what I, when I, when I look at you and I've kind of seen your accomplishments, it's, you know, you've been in business X amount of years, you've got 20 restaurants. It's not like you just come in and say, okay, we're going to do a hundred, right? You know, we're going to, it's like, Hey, let's, let's, let's be smart here. Let's figure out who our audience is, how to cater to them. How can we take care of them? How can we staff it? Yeah. You know, how can we, there's so many, there's so much that goes into this and people just, a and lot of times just, I don't feel like they get it. And times have changed. I mean, we're the, the, uh, the, the server today, the worker today is different than it was when we first started. I mean, their attitude toward working is different. Sure. Um, they just, it's just different. <laughs> well, that, you know, that brings me to a good point. So we are right now actually looking for some help. <clears throat> and for the first time ever, we put out a public statement saying so. We've always been able to hire Friends, family, we're a family business, so we, we've literally exhausted every family member that's in our family tree. Yeah. They either work here or they have worked here and gone on to do better things. Or they're too young, they haven't been able to move up yet. Or we've got, you know, we've got nine, <laughs> nine nieces and nephews between, you know, so they're all coming up in the ranks, um, but they're, you know, 15, 20 years out, right? right? So, I mean, we've got, we need some help now. And, you know, it's funny because somebody asked me, he's like, so what position are you really hiring for? And... My question without really thinking about it was I'm always hiring the right person. So like I'm always hiring the right person. 
always. Like I am never not hiring. If you are worth your salt, I'm looking for that type of person always. I'm looking for a game changer, a difference maker, someone who's honest and who is ready to strap on the boots and come to work every day and who's accessible. Um, And it's been hard. We've had some resumes and we've made some phone calls. We've talked to some people, but man, it's tough because in my industry, um, you know, I'm sure you have theft. I mean, you know, you know, little tacos here and there, right? But I mean, our theft is, you know how, you know how much a gold, an ounce of gold, uh, an ounce of gold is, it's two grand. I mean, you could take a piece of 90% every single day and probably have a retirement plan by the time, you know, it just. Do a lot of damage pretty quick. Yeah, Yeah. we're going through it right now trying to find somebody to take over and run our eBay department because we have such a huge customer base and we have what everybody else is looking for and that's the product. Yeah. All we're missing is the person that's going to help and share our vision to help build it. So we put up, we put a public service, uh, a message out there and I'll be in Chicago in a couple of weeks. I've got a couple interviews set up. Um, you know, we could hire one person. I could hire four people. You know, I, I'm not limited to, we have a lot of work to do. And I was going to ask you, what have you seen in terms of hiring you know, I don't. I know there's not a lot of Jonathan Kims running around. There's not a, a lot of Elliots running around. There's not a lot of you know. So like our head guys, how do you find those people? Where do you do you promote them from within? Do you tell me a little bit? Give me some advice here on how to how to find. What do I do to find the right guy? Well, we're or talk, girl. We're we're talking apples and oranges, obviously. But uh, you know, one of the one of the areas where we look. Uh, so we have a manager and training program that we rolled out a few months ago or a couple of years ago. Yeah, and, I think uh, we talked about this at Rogel's and, one time. And, um, you know, there are certain qualities you you look for in an individual to begin with. And uh, it's not something uh, they actually learned in a classroom. It's mostly them. It's it's their personality trait. And there are certain qualities that, uh, that lit itself really well to the food service industry. And it's really about caring, about caring about other people. So, uh, but w- once we have a server that, that, um, is outgoing, um, that kind of, uh, embodies our culture, then we take that person and, and we approach them. We'll ask them, Hey, would you, would you ever consider, uh, getting into management? And, and, and so we have some, man- some general managers and they're all six figures plus, but they, they, um, they started as, as in some cases, bussers. Yeah, but they, you know, they they worked hard and they put their time in. Our our general manager at uh, College Station, Christian uh, Ovalle, he started as a busser in Texas City, became general manager of the uh, that store. He started in '04, became general manager probably about six seven years later, and then opened up New Caney, and then now he's in College Station. He bought some land out there. He has ducks and chickens on his ranch and. He just loves it out there. Good for him. And he's smart because he positioned himself close to Waco because he knows that that may be another market for our, for us. So he could go either direction if he had to run one store or two stores. Smart guy. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, uh, there's, there's certain, uh, yeah, there's certain qualities, obviously, honesty, integrity um, are, are paramount in any business. But we just, uh, at the end of the day, we take care of them. Uh, we take care of our staff. And if, if, if they know we care about them and we'll be there for them, uh, it, it, it gives you an advantage right there because they know very few companies do that. Uh, we started a foundation uh, about four years ago called the Tex-Mex Legacy Foundation. And it's kind of almost a uh, an emergency fund to to help 
member team members or the community because we actually have dispersed quite a few uh, quite a few funds out of that foundation uh, when things have happened um, to to you know, someone in our local community where we have restaurants, but but they know we're there for them, and that's that's what's important. Uh, our company has done. Uh, over 25 complete full dental makeovers for team members that had severe dental needs. And those kind of stories, when they start circulating throughout the company of what we've done for them, it just elevates their their work ethic and, and everything about what they do. And uh, we have a full-time pastor now in our company, Sam Hernandez. He started off as a general manager um, uh, back in 2011. And so he goes around from store to store. He... Um, because these, I mean, a lot of our staff, they have a lot of challenges sometimes, you of know, course. All, all kinds. Yeah. I mean, it's just all kinds. of Everybody has challenges. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> come on, man. You know, issues. I mean, yeah. and, 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 you know, we, we live in the Instagram society generation. I don't trust you if you don't have some type of issue. Okay? Well, <laughs> <laughs> something's got to be going on. Like that same, uh, this little plaque my dad had on his desk years ago. He said, the problem with some people is they don't admit their faults. Yeah. I'd admit mine if I had any. That's what the science is. <laughs> But uh, so anyway, um, again, we, we, we have to put it out there first. We have to show them that we care about them first before we can expect them really to care about us. It, it's, you know, it's, it's, not, um, it's not conditional. It's, it's unconditional. Right. And so I think by, by the way we've approached um, the, our, our, our staff, uh, the labor market, the, um, how we attract people, is through a lot of it is just through word of mouth and and just uh kind of a what's the word i'm looking for kind of a anyway just just they just uh they they refer the word, refer or no well the, the word gets around it's just uh people just see that uh hey there's a company that's just different than everything they've been used to or yeah. seen you know yeah. yeah they actually back up what they say right right yeah because yeah. right. that's what it comes down to it comes down to can you actually do what you say you're doing right right you say you do community outreach what does that mean right you know does that what does that entail does that but when people start seeing it in motion, well, then it's like, okay, I can get with that. That they make sense, right? And it's like Mattress Mac. I think he's the king of that, right? I mean, he this take, guy. Yeah, he, he does it on a completely different level. Yeah, yeah. but okay. But he does it at a different level because he's at a different level. But I mean, you know, anybody can contribute, right? And it. Yeah, but you know, he, what I mean, what I mean by a different level, um, the fact that he opened up his store during Katrina. Yeah. How let cool people let people sleep on brand spanking new mattresses. There's a lot of business people that wouldn't have done that. Yeah, and that didn't. Uh, and and the mattresses, uh, the potential losses of whatever it was, that wasn't his concern. It wasn't was about, a factor. It was, it was the the people at in, in their time of need, and yet there was another church we all know in Houston that kept the doors locked. You know, and yeah. and what does that say? Well, yeah, what does that say? So well, I don't know what church it was. Who was it? <laughs> Oh, I'd rather not say. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, uh, they'll know. People. Do you know? I know. Yeah. Who was it? <laughs> we don't have to put it on the podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> figures. It's okay. <laughs> well, it figures. I mean, I'm sorry. It was a big deal. Guy's a a yeah, yeah. He's a, a TV pastor. I mean, what do you expect? <laughs> yeah. He's not, he doesn't care about people. <laughs> I mean, that, you know, that made that, me sweat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So from Russell Ibarra's mouth, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, we, 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 we've, uh, we do a pretty good job of cutting things. Okay. <laughs> we, we come sometimes get off the handle a little bit. Um, so, all right. So back to that. So this is a perfect segue for Camp Hope. So I was introduced to Camp Hope um, by Michael Berry. 
As and, was I. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, he was like, listen, at the time, I think I had, you know, I had done some concerts and, I, you know, I, we, we sponsored Willie RCC. Nelson. Yeah. yeah for, at the RCC. And, you know, I was just, I was just kind of getting into the whole like Michael Berry world of, cause once you get in there, man, it's like, it's like a million miles an hour and it's how well no. Well, you know more than me. I, I was more of an outsider. Um, and this kind of goes back to what I said before about the whole marketing thing is that, you know, people are always ready to tell you that something's not going to work. Right. Always. It's like, for me, it's like, I'm trying to find what does work. I, I'm trying to see the positive first. And, and I, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that sometimes things just don't work out. That's yeah. just life. But I don't ever want to go into a situation with a negative attitude. I have just learned in my life. It took me a long time to realize that that's not a good way to approach things because a lot of times things are going to end up negative because your mindset or because right. of my mindset. Right. And when I was getting into this whole advertising world and meeting people and kind of branching out and networking and whatnot, Michael's like, I want you to go to this place and I want you to, I want you to lay eyes on this place. And I was like, okay. And I was like, can't pull up. I was like, what is that? Like, and then, you know, I went to the website and, and, I'll, and I'll be honest with you at that time, the website wasn't that informational. It was just kind of, I think just up and coming maybe. Right. But when I went out there and I actually met you out there, man, what a cool place. Like, yeah, what an amazing job that, I mean, what a cool place. Like, because I feel like, I don't feel like veterans get their due before we even get into that. And especially right. people who are struggling, right? And this gives them a place to be able to go to where there's other people around them that they can bounce things off of. It's just like a, what a great, it's a community, right? Yeah. And um, when it comes to charitable donations and things of that nature, it's the number one place that I do my personal stuff with. Good. Because to me, it's real change. And you can see your dollars at work well, it's, it's saving lives. I mean, at the end of the day, you're saving lives. Yeah. And not just saving lives, but you're saving families. And The family aspect. Was and the, uh, yeah. you have small children. So you can only imagine uh, when, when a veteran takes his life and all the people that it affects forever. Yeah. So, yeah, when you when you look at it that way and, and approach it um, that way, you really, uh, it, it gives your, at the end of the day, it gives your business and you, you yourself meaning and purpose. And without it, really, there's no sense in even going into business unless there's something more behind what you're, what you're selling. I'll tell people, we just, you know, we, um, we, uh, we're in the people business at the end of the day, but it, we just happen to sell Tex-Mex, you know, you, it's, it's about people. And, you know, people, yeah. people's about business, your customers are people, your employees are people. So we're in the people business. Yeah. Just hundred percent. So yeah. anyway, um, and we just want to take care of the community that supports us. And, and I think as a matter of fact, we just, uh, we had this campaign and we're going to continue it, but, um, there's a dish that we serve called the Plato Soldado and Soldado is Spanish. And, uh, I mean, is, um, you know, soldier in Spanish and, uh, we, we contribute $2 for every, Plate we sell, and we just yeah. passed the million dollar mark on that one, and so uh, we're going to. Our next goal is obviously two million, but we'll be um, continue to do it because it again it makes a difference. Uh, I'm on the board of directors, by the way, of Camp Hope, so I see the budget, I see that what it, what it takes to run that operation. It's and it's it is growing. Unfortunately, it's grown because obviously that means there's a huge demand 
Uh, right. Uh, right now we're losing. It used to be 22, but this study came out recently, and it's really 44, almost 44 veterans we lose a, a day to suicide. So um, it's it's an important program. Um, it, talking about staffing, um, that's one of the hardest organizations to staff people because the only person that a, another fellow veteran will trust is, is a, a veteran is another veteran. So um, some of the veterans that go through the program, uh, like how we talk to our servers, if get into management, they talk yeah. to these guys graduate, about, yeah, becoming a a, uh, a counselor. And uh, the, the the telephone is answered, you know, twenty four seven. It's a hotline, and so uh, it's it's an important program to have here. Uh, I think we're uh, we're working with uh, the VA to because um, now we can get reimbursed on some of the costs associated with getting these uh, veterans to the program. Cool. So it's a six month <clears throat> program, and they uh, they're different when they come out for sure. Yeah, no, it's much better place. It's cool. I mean, I, I think the last time I was there, y'all were there. Were, the condos were being built, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's just like a, it's a whole other world. There's a lot of good things going on over there. Yeah, um, any veterans in your family? Yes, both of my grand, both of well, yeah, yes. Okay, cool. My grandfather was, uh, our grandfather was in the Navy, and um, the grandfather, my grandfather, my my mother's side, who just recently passed, was a colonel in the Air Force. And uh, retired um, in, I think, in the 60s, served um, Eglin Air Force Base. And that's, that was, that's my Florida connection tie right there. So that's my mom ended up, you know, moving back there. And, and I kind of grew up around them. And it was really, um, you know, I used to go to the BX with my grandma. And, you know, back when they would actually salute, you know, whomever was in the car. I don't know if they do that anymore. I think I heard no, but that was always like a cool thing to go on the base and it was cool. Um, but my, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily like I'm a big, I'm a big fan of veterans and what they do and the sacrifice they make to me is just, it's just crazy to think that you would give up your, I don't know. I, it's just to me is a very selfless thing to do right. and to come home and, and have problems and not have anybody be there for you to me is just, it's a, it's freaking criminal. And, um, so when I was there, um, and you look at it too, a lot, like, like a substance abuse, it's like people need help, you know, and they need to talk to people who are in that same mindset and going through the same things. It's not, I'm not going to come talk to you about opening a car wash, right? Why would I do that? You don't know anything about car washes, right. but if I said, I want to open up a restaurant, I know where the best one is though. Bucky's Katie. Oh my God. That thing is like a mile long. Really? And by the time you get to the end of it, they have so many blowers that your paint's coming off. I've never seen a car wash like that. And and there it goes. uh, uh, Here's a a convenience store, Bucky's, that has taken the C, the C store business industry to a completely different level. Yeah. And they improve at every area and a great example. I mean, so the car wash, um, there are car washes everywhere, but they're going to figure out a way to make a car wash even better. Yeah. So they, they dealt with the, they, they uh, focused in on two areas of convenience stores that people uh, care about most. And that is restrooms, clean the cleanness yeah, of restrooms, restrooms, of course, and quick checkout. And then from there, they kind of built this model that is second to none. I mean, it's in, they're open uh, in other States now and uh, they are, who is the owner? Uh, Beaver Applin. His okay. name is Beaver. Beaver. Yeah. Beaver. And he has a partner too. Um, can't remember his name right now, but yeah, they um, 
they just, I mean, if I, for example, if I was going to go into the convenience store business, I would go study everything about uh, Bucky's and model my store after them. How could you maybe, know? maybe find a point of difference that, hey, they could improve here. Let me work on that area so I could have that point of difference to, sure. to be just a little bit different. But yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah. <laughs> One of the things I tell small coin shop guys when they ask me is, <clears throat> it's like, well, how do I break in? And it's like, well, you model yourself after success. Right. Right. Like, oh, well, that's unoriginal. I'm like, <laughs> if you think that's unoriginal, then you got, then you're never going anywhere because there's nothing that you can really do in this day and age that's really original. It's a, right. it's a bite off of something else. Right. Um, but yeah, you've made that point and it's an amazing point because at the end of the day, people have already done the research. They've made the problems. I mean, they, they made the mistakes. They've ran into issues. Why would you put yourself through that when you know you could just maybe, Make yeah. something that what they're doing, make it better. Uh, learn from someone else's mistakes and yeah. build, build off of it, make it different, make it yours. You know, so when we started That's, doing television, it's like, well, okay, so how do we do television commercials? What's the first thing I did? I, I didn't, I looked at other commercials that are around. Now there were none in Houston, but I started to try to find some and I did. I had my programmer and I was like, I don't like this. I don't like this. I like this. And our first commercial that we shot was with Chance McClain. Yeah. And I said something at the end. Like just bring in the coins. We just, we want, we want to see them. Right. We yeah. just, and that's, we do, we love them. Like we love coin deals there. There's nothing. I mean, we do, you know, if we do a bullion deal, you know, I could do a $10 million bullion deal and I would, I would rather buy a hundred thousand dollars worth of fresh coins. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. You? Well, we, yeah, we love coins. So we love, we love to see new and, you know, something coins, you seen before. Yeah. Coins yeah. have been maybe in a safety deposit box. He captures. No one else, no one else has seen for, 60 years or more. So well, it's, your, it's your passion. And I think it comes across, um, to your customers, uh, potential customers for sure. And yeah. congratulations. It's not easy. <laughs> and y'all have done it. Y'all have done a great job. Appreciate it. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, it's maybe, maybe one day I'll buy a coin from you. I, yeah. I, wish, I wish you would. <laughs> <laughs> I've never offered you anything. <laughs> never in a million years. <laughs> <laughs> but it is funny. I, people ask me like, why don't you ever offer us anything? I'm like, cause you're my friend. I mean, if you want to buy it, I think you'll ask me. You know, I mean, I don't want to force anything on people. It's not. Y'all had some nice watches there too, by the way. Yeah. I mean, we were heavily into the watch game. We were actually at a meeting about this this week. Yeah. Yeah, We transitioned. um, The watch market was, uh, was, was fallen. Um, You know, less people were buying watches with, with all the things going on in the world, you know, either banking or stock market. China really, yeah. Right. The, yeah. The, um, the The war. war. Yeah. Uh, You know, so. So the watches slowed down. Uh, less people wanted to buy them, and uh, so we we got into trading them more on a wholesale basis, uh, keeping less stock, and focusing heavily on on our coins, our vintage coins, and then also of course the bullion because the bullion market, you know, gold and silver just took off. We had a lot more customers, uh, a lot more customers buying from us, and um, we were doing some some good selling, but uh, but really just I think the traffic sped up right yeah so i mean the market adjusted you know i mean watches were through the roof right. and i mean i matter of fact i think you asked me about one and i told you i was like i don't think it's the right time to buy it yeah so they're too expensive i don't right. want to sell i don't want to sell anybody something that's that's going to be there that they're going to get their head knocked off that's that's not what we're in business for right and we have a buyback so like on our rare coins if it's not bullion related so like tied to gold and silver um we give a 10 percent buyback for one year so if you go in the store and like man that's a pretty coin you know, like, how much is it? I'm like, well, it's 10 grand. 
you're like, well, what is it really worth? It's like, well, I would give you 80, I would give you 90, 9,100 bucks for it at any given time within the next year. You don't, no questions asked, no story to tell. I don't need, care about your car repairs or your house note or whatever it is. Don't care. And if you trade it, I'll do my best to give you more than the 90%. And when we started doing that, people were like, holy, these guys are the real deal. Yeah. Like, we, yeah. I, I mean, think you, we were doing it, but we weren't, we weren't talking about it. We weren't talking it. about no it. No one knew no. about it. And I don't think we've, yeah. I've never advertised it. Not to this day. It's never been on a commercial. It's never been on a radio ad. I don't do it because mm-hmm. it's not, I just want the people to know that we do businesses, that we're there to take care of them. We want to make sure that they are taken care of. So yeah, we stopped selling watches when they got stupid, crazy, and they started to drop. It's like, well, why would I sell you a dropping product? If you want something and you can't live without it, sure, I'll find it for you. We have a customer that we're dealing with right now that we sold him an expensive watch. And I told him, do not buy this watch. Yep. He said, I have to have it. I said, do not buy this. And I just told him, I don't want to sell to you. He's like, well, I'm going to have to buy it from this guy in New York. And then I, you know, tax and this. And I'm like, I don't want anything to do with it. I gave in. I bought him the watch. He's lost a hundred percent on that watch. Oh wow! And but we're not talking about a cheap watch either. But like like a month after that, you gave him an option to sell it. I tried to sell it for him, bit. and yeah. it, it had just gone up a little bit, like ten grand. I'll tell you, the watch was two hundred grand, and it, it was like two ten or two fourteen. Someone offered, and I was like, dude, sell it, take it. I don't want a dime. I just want you out of it because I can sleep at night. That stuff bugs me. Right. I don't like it. Because yeah, you know it's coming. You know eventually. You know, you know it's coming back. And you, you want know? to take care of your customer. You want to take care of your customer, yeah. man. So you pick the right coins. You try to pick the right watches and exactly. and, uh, and jewelry. But but sometimes people just can't help themselves. Right. right? They can't right. help themselves. And that's that's normal. I mean, there's a, you know. Yeah. But jewelry and. You just don't a, have to do it with me. It can be very okay. impulsive. You <laughs> yeah. Know, you just so. don't have to do it with yeah. me. Just sign a waiver or acknowledgement <laughs> or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's I just like, don't want to do it. So going back to the watch thing, you know, and, and we, we had a meeting about it earlier this week and I'm like, okay, we have to still have some stock. You can't, yeah. you can't, we can't have 400 Rolexes one year and have 10 the next year. It just doesn't, it looks bad, right? It's not, it's to me, say it again. That's a, That's a lot of Rolexes. Yeah. yeah. Well, we did. Yeah, we, we did. were we circulating a bunch. a bunch. I mean, I I would say maybe 400 was probably a stretch, but a couple hundred. I mean, there was definitely yeah. 200 yeah. closer to 300 at one point. But you had, and you had, you know, some being photoed, you had some being yeah. uh, worked on. Some were on memo yeah. out to you know, other shops clean, and getting cleaned up. Yeah. So we had a big rotation of stuff and it was sure. just, you know, keeping up with it, keeping up, keeping up with it. And you know, at the end of the day, um, we just didn't want to put people into bad deals. Yeah. And like, um, what's the, um, auto uh, used auto dealership, uh, that Carbona. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you ever see what their stock went to? I know it was low. No, but oh. I'm talking about uh, the, high. the high. Oh no. Yeah. Tell, no. What? 400 bucks. It was over four and it's it down was, to what? Five. Yeah. Or something like that. It's crazy. Well, it's people crazy. were yeah. buying from, from home, right? It was easy. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And they, were, they were paying inflated prices on cars that weren't worth that. And, now it's all coming. It's all adjusting now. Yeah. Well, the used car market's still pretty hot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's hot. It's crazy. It's hot though. I, I don't understand it to be honest with you, but whatever. But back to the watches. I made a huge mistake. I, I have a rule that I try to impose on our company and that's, we don't do friends for favor. We don't do favors for friends. Right. Right. And it's not because I don't want to do them. It's because we don't put a hundred percent of our mental acuity into those deals because they're our friends. Right. And a lot of times 
things fall apart. You know, it's like, Hey, can you fix this watch for me? Can you do this? Can you do that? And I'm like, look, man, yes, I can, but I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to jack with it because I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to put it in queue. Like for me to service a watch, if we make 45 bucks, it's not worth it. Right. We're we're not a watch service repair place. If you're, I mean, most of the time we're doing it for free. Yeah. We do no, it for what you, it costs. We always end up doing right. it for free. And then for free, it means you're losing money. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. We're losing money, time. Right. So a friend of mine asked me, hey, I've got my grandfather's watch and I need you to service it. Do you mind? And I was like, sure, send yeah. it. So he sends me the watch. I never see the watch. It goes in intake. I mean, I don't think sometimes people realize we got you know, almost four of the employees. So like, it's not not like I see everything that comes in the door all the time, right? So the watch comes in. Well, it happens to come in the same day another dealer, well, the coin dealer sends a watch in. So our guy makes the fatal mistake of mixing up the two mm. watches and two names. I get a phone call about six months after and says, hey, man, I never got my, my watch. Can I'm just checking on the progress? I'm like, my heart dropped. I mean, I was like, this yeah. is going to be bad because I already knew. Yeah, and you thought it was taken care of, it was already handled. Right? I thought it was done. I haven't right. heard from anybody. I didn't, you know, yeah. no one asked me any questions. Came back in, you got shipped back. Kind of like we were talking about earlier about, you know, about the, the shrimp deal. Like, right. you know, it's like, I, I like to know these things. Like, I don't, I don't need to be in, like formally addressed about it every single day. But once you just shoot me a text, hey, you know, so-and-so's watch has been delivered. Or just like to give me that, that peace of mind, you know. So... I'm going to say his name because he said I can. So this is Andrew Edelman's. I mean, we've done a lot of business together and I'm about to have to tell this guy, like I don't have his watch. We ripped the entire place apart. I looked back through every watch repair job we did in that time frame. I mean, we did everything we could like CSI trying to break this thing down. Where could this thing be? And we finally got it down to tracking information to California to another dealer so that we got the watch done. The watch came back. Our team sent it to the wrong address. That person, instead of saying, oh, hey, this isn't my watch. Let me send it back. Puts it in an auction. Oh, God. Yeah. The watch sells. We find the trade where the watch sells. So I call the auction company. I said, hey, I have to have this watch back and I'm willing to pay whatever it takes to get it done. No reply from the owner. At first, they didn't want to do it, but because of our relationship, they did. They took care of it. And I really do got to give them a shout out. I do appreciate their help on that. They really, they, they, they did. So long story short, after two months, he's like, I got a hold of the guy. He wants any a crazy amount of money for this watch. I mean, this guy, it was literally 3X. And I said, pay it. I'll do it. Just get the watch back to the guys who, who to the guy who owns it. Like, let's get it back to the original owner. Wow. Yeah. The watch is being shipped today overnight. So this this like a year long saga. I have never been asked. I yeah. was so sick over this thing. Because if I'd have lost this guy's grandfather's watch, it would have devastated me, you know, and, and not, oh. not even to mention devastate him, you know. Well, it, every, every day you wake up, you'd be thinking about it. I, I was, <laughs> I was yeah. thinking about it. It just had me in a, in a funk. I was in a funk. Oh my God. And I wrote the check. We wrote the check today 
to pay for the watch and just an overnighted. And, and I'm like, you know, I'm so glad that it's, that it's finished. And let's let's hope that that watch comes back. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's, it's a done deal. Um, you know, he's all, he's all pictures of it and there he can. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's a real deal. This is published. We'll know. No, if, no, it's, if it's not, we won't publish it. <laughs> no, but it's the real deal. Um, and I, you know, we got pictures. They they sent pictures, and I, I tell you, the silver lining in the deal was that Andrew was appreciative of me, right? You know, and here I am. The effort you made. Here I am the whole time. I'm bashing myself because I broke my own rule, right? We don't do these type of things. I don't want to. Well, I'm not in the watch repair business. Sorry, I'm not. I don't have a bench jeweler. I don't have a watchmaker. That means I have to outsource it, which means that's more people's hands on products. That I, and, I, and I love our watchmaker, but he doesn't work for me. Right. He works for himself. He makes his own rules. He doesn't work for me. He doesn't, right. he doesn't work by Kenny Duncan's rules, right? Yeah. So that's not a business model for me. I don't want to be in that game. It's too much responsibility and it's too much risk and it's a time stealer, Okay. And you have to acknowledge those things. And a lot of times, even at the management level, we don't respect that motion enough to where, you know, we're just dumping it off on someone else's to like let them handle the responsibility. And of course, they're going to do it because they work for us. But how do they truly feel about it? They probably don't like it, right? It's a time stealer for them. They got other right. stuff to do. They don't right. got time to jack with this person's watch. So when, you know, he does something for a friend or I do something for a friend, you know, it always... 90% of the time gets messed up because you're doing it for a friend and it, and it, it changes the landscape for me. I want to take care of my friends. I, I just want to, you know, I should buy you a watch. <laughs> just, tell, exactly. just, like, yeah. just leave me alone. Like, I just, headaches. Yeah. yeah. Just tell <laughs> me what you want. Don't, don't, don't repair it. I'll just buy you. Another, well, like, I think the ones that we've, I've seen, it's always, you know, I always think, Oh, it's an easy thing to fix. You know, someone's like, Oh, you know, I have a lady's date, Justin. You know, it doesn't work. I think, oh, okay, well, it's a, it's a simple fix, I'm sure. You know, because you could fix anything in those watches. Just, right. You know, but it's never that way. It's like the open it up and the whole movement's glued or has glue all over it. Or Yeah. It's always something that it's like, why did I get myself into this? Why did you get involved in yeah, it? Yeah, why did I get involved right. in this? Exactly. And that's, I just said yes because I'm just used to being helpful. Well, you're, you're a nice guy. Out. Yeah, so. So what but, kind of... Um, I know security is a, a, a huge uh, concern and issue with y'all's stores, but what about uh, cyber theft or do y'all have yeah. any of that? Wire y'all? fraud. Wire fraud. Yeah, we dodge bullets with it every day. Yeah. Wow. Um, and just, what the, the most popular thing, well, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say it's, it's really for us, it's just being double check, triple check, you know. Well, for wire fraud, it's just, you know, I always call and I verify the numbers. You know, let, let me, you know. I'll share a story with you that happened very recently for yeah. uh, the, so I'm a season ticket holder with the Rockets. I have two sets, one's yeah. third row, one second row. The second row is directly behind Tillman Fertitta. But in those, in those four seats, I am one quarter uh, season ticket holder. Oh, cool. Yeah. And the gentleman that, that owns the tickets, uh, the season ticket holder that controls them, uh, he's an attorney in Houston. And he just emailed me and the two other guys that have the other 25% um, to let us know that the statement's in and he attached a statement and, and you know, yeah. after we did the calculations, I knew what my, my part was. And he says, Hey, just, you know, cut me a check. No problem. So I, I responded, no problem. I'll have it to you by the weekend. And then 
don't know if it was the same day or that afternoon or the next morning, but I get an email from them and say, hey, could you wire it instead because my American Express statement is going to be in on the 9th, and I'd like to just go ahead and pay it. I said, sure. And he yeah. said, if, and if you agree to it, I'll send you the wiring instructions. So I said, okay, sure, send me the wiring instructions. So, so he sends them. And uh, I was out to dinner when I received them, and that night I get home and I'll, I'll wire the funds. And then um, the next morning, Chase uh, Fraud Alert calls me, and they wanted to confirm this wire. And I said, yeah, it's legit. Um, and they said, have you spoken to this gentleman? I said, no, but we communicated via the email. And I looked at all the email, the email address, everything. Yeah. It was all the same. Yeah. And, um, and they kept asking more questions and more questions. So I said, hmm. So, and one of the things they brought up was that he had just opened the check. And uh, this account was recently opened in Dallas. Brand new. Yeah. Yeah. And so I said, okay, well, let me, let let me send him a a text message real quick. So I screenshot the email where he asked me to wire the, wire the funds. And, um, I texted to him and immediately he says, don't send it. That wasn't me. They hijacked his email. Oh yes. And they knew, um, they knew the lingo that he uses. They even knew the nickname of the other gentleman mm-hmm. that they were going to get that, his portion from. Yep. And um, but that gentleman, his secretary caught it. Fortunately, uh, Chase called and we were able to stop it. But they're getting very sophisticated. Yeah. Similar situation. This just happened to us. But someone sends a, um, we send invoices out. On our invoices, on the, on the bottom right-hand corner is all of our payment details. Someone spoofed an email address, intercepted one of our invoices, changed by like two or three numbers. Yeah, just a couple. Just a yeah. couple just numbers. Yeah. yeah. At a bank in Texas City, okay, for a hundred and something thousand dollars. Yeah. And luckily our department caught it because the 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 numbers didn't match up from the for, before when she called to verify. So now, and this is you know public service statement verify every wire. I mean, just, you have to get in the habit of doing it because these guys are freaking good and they're smarter than you. They're better than you. They're up right now thinking of ways to screw you and take your money. It is happening. It's evolving. It's every day. You have to be vigilant, man. How about the mother that received a phone call from her son? Oh, right. Yeah. She spoke with him and it wasn't him. AI. Yeah. That's scary. AI. That is scary. Why you know all these people that are doing all these face apps and all this stuff? What do you think they're doing with this stuff, man? Like, what do you think? Ay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, that's a huge problem. Um, we're literally facing, you know, that you know counterfeit money. Um, you know, we've had to do it where we don't even accept. We don't let people walk with wires on the on the same day anymore because of this clawback wire. We had, um, so I paid. I'm sorry, a guy sends me money for a watch. He unlawfully used his brother's account to pay for it, to fund it. His brother tried to claw back the wire. They almost did. Wow. I mean, I've never heard of a, of a bank clawing back a wire before, but these things are happening because that's, of this type of fraud. That's scary. And, and that's I, supposed to be... Well, ironclad, yeah, right? Well, let me just tell clad. you, there's nothing ironclad right now. I think everything's on the table. So yeah, that's a great point you brought up. We got to be vigilant. You know, with things like Bitcoin and all these other cryptocurrencies out there and the way that you can use them to move money around, people are doing it left and right. And I think it's one of the reasons why a lot of people can't 
it doesn't settle like crypto for me. And this is just my opinion. It's not the company's opinion, but it doesn't sit well in my stomach for some reason. Me neither. So, I mean, I don't have any, yeah. um, I, you know, there's, there's something as, as bad as things are within any country. Uh, I still want a country backing a currency. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I just do call me old school, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and you know, and keep in mind, you know, uh, you know, you, you heard about the, uh, the dollar, uh, it's, it's now the Chinese, uh, they're, they're trading oil in the Chinese one, right? Yes, sir. So, um, I don't know about you, but I don't have faith in the Chinese government. I don't know who would want to do that. But, um, so do you honestly think it's happening? I don't know. Okay. I don't, I don't know. But right. what I'm saying is, um, I know some people that are, they just, they just, they just believe in Bitcoin and, and that's fine if you do. I mean, more power to you, but I just don't want to put, put money into something that the only way I'm going to get a return is someone willing to pay me more than what I paid for it. Yeah. And that's what, that's basically what it is in a nutshell. So what do you invest in? Uh, besides people? Yeah. <laughs> Where I get my best return? I invest in uh, real estate. I mean, okay. yeah, real estate. Yeah. And other things. <laughs> yeah. What's your, what's your favorite, what's your favorite hobby? My favorite hobby is going to concerts. Yeah. So I just got back from Vegas. I went to see Depeche Mode. Oh, that's awesome. Dave Gahan at uh, T-Mobile. Saw him in LA the two nights before. And then uh, I'll be seeing them again sometime this year. They're, so funny story, I was at the concert and uh, in Vegas and, and my seat, I didn't particularly care for it because I'd bought it through StubHub. And once I got there, I like all seats or yeah, as, close, you both. Yeah. As, as yeah. close as you can get to it. Yeah. So I, um, I get there and I'm in the middle <laughs> of whatever row. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a decent seat, but I don't like being stuck there. So I started searching for another StubHub ticket <laughs> while I'm sitting there. Yeah. And I find one, but it's a, it's a wheelchair. It's the one at the very top, which yeah. I, I'm good with. I'll go up there and sit. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But anyway, so I get up there and I'm looking at my ticket and there's someone sitting in it. And I said, and so I had to get the usher. And I said, Hey, look, someone's sitting in my, in my seat. Yeah. And I looked at my ticket closer. It's for their next concert in December. <laughs> so I have that ticket, but then I bought another one. And this one was fifth row floor middle. And it, it went for like, it was cheap. It went like for three or $400. So I just waiting. I got the best seat in the house. Cause it was already, yeah. yeah the concert already started. All right. Not, not a one up, but it's similar. I'm sitting, I'm, I'm a huge tool fan. Yes. I know they're loud and obnoxious and all that stuff, but they're I freaking love tool. I mean, I think they're just, again, when you, when you combine all the musicians and how smart they are and how good they are and great they are at their craft and the way they put it all together, they put some really cool music out. I'm a huge, anytime they play, I want to see them multiple times a year. Right. So I get tickets for my buddy at a one tickets, shout out to Chris at a one tickets. Um, I'm old school. Uh, I, I like just being able to call my buddy and say, Hey, give me some good seats. And, and I, and I want to, I'm big on, I'd like to do business with my friends. I don't, I don't check prizes. I don't, because why he sends all of his friends to me. I mean, why would we not do business with him? Yeah. I'm sure I could find him somewhere cheaper if I spent two hours, but two hours of my time these days come at a pretty high premium. So, um, I'm not, so I just try to do as much friends with my my business, with my friends as possible. So he, he gets me these seats and he always tells me, wait, wait till last minute, wait till last minute. But I'm like, as I get a little older and I'm like, yeah, 
You don't you know, wait till back the in the minute. day that had been fine. You know, I'd been like, yeah, we'll do it. We'll ride it. I'll go grab a beer and do this, but you know, I don't drink and I don't, and I don't, I don't really go out much anymore. So when I go out, like I want it to be like all lined out nice yeah. and easy. Right. So I get these, sit down at these seats and I'm like, Hey, these aren't good enough. Like if I'm going to go to a tool concert, I want to be like, I want to get my face melted off. Like, Hey, I don't want to be. So I'm literally in the concert, sitting there finding more seats on stuff up and I buy them. And I find there's two kids that were back there. And when I was walking back, I was like, Hey, y'all come move up. I was like, y'all sit in these seats right here. He's like, really? Wow. I mean, is it legal? I was like, no, here's a, I just upgraded my seats and me and my brother actually will, my other brother will, we went up and got up, you know, it was like third row or something. No, it was grand actually. Uh, but we went up to like the third row and we saw there were better seats, but that's the first time I'd ever done that. Or the only time I think I would have done that is because I don't want to sit here. These are, <laughs> this isn't exciting. I want to be a little closer. There's this uh, company called lane one and they buy premium seats at concerts. Um, and one of them was uh, the Eagles. And so and they were here well, recently. Um, well, ever since 2020, okay. uh, something uh, I, I haven't seen another show that they've, they've been behind. Okay, but cool. Anyway, it's usually the first like five rows uh, they'll buy and they sell these premium packages. And so my wife and I had gone to New York to Madison Square Garden to see the Eagles. And I had four tickets and I forget why the other couple couldn't make it, make the trip with us. But anyway, so I had these, two extra floor seats that I think it was second row, right smack center stage. And so I did kind of did that. I went to the uh, furthest point in the, in the arena, went up the aisle and I was looking for a couple that, you know, looks, you know, that I can ask if they want, Hey, I got some seats where you have down there in the second row if you want them. And so they, they, they took me up on it and it turned out they were in the restaurant business too. Oh, cool. After we sat down, but I like doing things like that. Um, but you know, so I've, uh, like I said, I'm, uh, I've, Pastime is concerts. Uh, in 2019, I flew to Sydney, Australia to see U2 in concert. And then I, and I did all this by myself. I was solo for most of the trip. And then from Sydney, I flew to Perth to see them again. And then from Perth, I flew up to uh, Kuala Lumpur. Although they didn't play there, I just went and visited the town. That's where the Twin Towers are at. And then from there, I flew south to Singapore. Um, so I'm there. And actually ran into a Michael Berry friend, um, can't even think of his name right now, but anyway, he, he and his wife were there and we, we uh, hung out. And then from there I flew to Tokyo to see him again. But this time my, my two franchise partners and my CEO, Jonathan Kim was there to see him in concert there. We had a great time. And then, but one of the, my, one of my favorite uh, experiences was at Lollapalooza in, in Paris. I'd seen, went to see the uh, red hot chili peppers there and I'd bought this premium package where, um, they had the VIP section way back in the back, but whenever you're ready to go to see the show, cause they have two stages, rotating stages. Um, you, whenever the, the red hot chili peppers got on stage, uh, they put you in a golf cart and they take you all the way to the back of the two stages. You walk between them up to a little section that's carved out in the very front of the stage and you just walk in there and it's like hardly anyone in there with you. And all these people are just crowded behind you. That's awesome. It was a great experience and yeah. it's fun to do. If you can do it that way. And then, um, we did that for Radiohead. Yeah. And then, but the worst part about the concert was afterwards, I could not get an Uber or anything. Oh yeah. <laughs> and to, you were, you were like the last one to get out. Oh, I was <laughs> We used to go to a lot of concerts. Oh man. We were, Time. concerts are my favorite. That's my favorite thing to do. I, I, I love music and I love going to concerts. Yeah. Can't see I do much of anything anymore except, uh, work and golf. But, yeah. uh, are you married? I am. Oh, that's we, yeah, we've had kids every. <laughs> yeah, this guy year. is popping them out like, like a. Like 
Yeah. So, so we're, how many we're actually have? expecting. So now we're ha- we're having our third. Okay. Um, but um, in the last years, it's just been, you know, got married, had our first son, and had our girl, and then now we're having another one. So another boy, or girl, girl. Okay. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. Yes. So I know your 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 parents must be very proud and excited. They are. So how many do they have total? Ten. This will be ten. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So they double. Yeah. So uh, how many siblings total? Four. Okay. Well, I have two boys and I have five grandchildren. So there you go. It's about the ratio. Yeah. <laughs> two and a half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, you got anything you want to talk to us about? So tell me, what is the strangest item that's ever walked through those front doors that someone tried to sell you <laughs> and that y'all just uh, looked at it and stared for a while? <laughs> So uncomfortably stared. <laughs> yeah, we we've been offered some very strange items. Um, you know, I don't know what brings a customer or someone to say, you know, at coin shop, maybe they'll buy, you know, this plant or uh, or this uh, <laughs> uh, vial of, uh, you know, what you tell the story. I, I think I think you're a better story. <laughs> you were sitting right. Well, next has anyone to me. ever tried to sell you all teeth by, by chance? Yeah, all oh, the time. That's Dogs. a we buy teeth normal, once a week. That's yeah. a that's a really? consistent yeah. one. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. If they got gold in them, we buy them. <laughs> yeah. But as long as they take the, so we don't we buy the caps. We don't like yeah the teeth. They have to they have to take those. Well, out Well, before, but yeah. we we made a policy. But, but like I would find kept, teeth all the time. Like, yeah. Y'all, y'all cannot getting, buy it with teeth. I was like, if they can break that crap out at home and bring it to us as a finished product, I'm not buying yeah, teeth. You're doing it by weight. It's a, well, you know what happened? You know what? You know, I'll tell you what, what kind of ticked me off was one time I found like, like a bridge and a bunch of gold on it. Yep. And then I was like, well, how did you figure the weight of the teeth? Right. Like, oh, well, we just bought it cheap. I'm like, no, 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 no. I was like, that is not how we figure it. You have to have a provable theory in, in how you did it. Yeah. I was like, how do you ever defend yourself? Right. So we Plus went through it. Inventory, it's a disaster but this was before we were even worried about inventory yeah, yeah. this was we were still trying to build our brand and i was so vigilant about the optics of everything and i was like listen you're gonna break those teeth out you're gonna get the accurate weight you're gonna call that customer and you're gonna give them the money that they deserve i said but i'm glad this happened because no longer will we buy yeah. gold with the teeth still connected to it <laughs> well my question is where are they where does it come from i mean yeah. deceased people that I, I, well yeah. yeah are they are there uh, grave robbers out there i mean or y'all don't y'all don't know y'all please the fifth i think what? a lot of times i think it's just like family members it's like oh yeah we had this gold too taken out and they don't mm-hmm. want to throw it away cuz it's gold you know yeah. but they don't know what to do with it so they do you know we so, do advertise ourselves as being like the ultimate collector store right so we buy Everything from A to Z. Like, so funeral homes will remove the teeth for you? Yes. Okay. I didn't yep. know that. They remove the yeah. teeth. Yeah, and That's then a they, weird they, job to have. Hey, yeah, go take out these too. teeth. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, and this then, guy didn't floss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, man, this guy has some problems. Right? Yeah. Um, so yeah. this guy comes in one time and <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling a story. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This guy comes in one time. And he has like this like little chest of all kinds of just little weird stuff, right? And you could tell this guy had been tweaking on something. He had been up for like three days straight. And he was all over the place. And I don't know how we even got roped in. I mean, because a lot of times, you know, yeah. it's like I like to be out in front helping people and stuff. But man, it's like I don't have the time. Like I'm yeah. in the, you know, I'm, I'm doing, you know, we're, we're, we're building a business every day, right? It's but we started in the front. But we started in the that's front. that's where it started because we were all up there yeah. building customers There were six employees at that time. 
including us two, right? I mean, we didn't have anything. What year is this? This is in 2011. And, you know, it... (laughs) Okay, so this guy comes in with this chest, and it's just a bunch of crap. And he has, but a lot of it's like Civil War-ish type stuff. Yeah. And, like, he pulls out this photo of Abe Lincoln. I'm like, okay, so it kind of caught my attention. I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool. I was like, this is an original photo of Abe Lincoln. It's got to be worth a couple hundred bucks, right? Maybe a thousand bucks or something. So I was like, let me do some research. And he's like, I'm going to show you the coolest part of this deal. I'm like, oh, shit. I'm thinking this is this could get interesting. I'm yeah. like, this could be freaking cool, right? I mean, maybe Civil War gun or something cool, right? He has this little vial. And it looks like piss. <laughs> and I'm like. What is that? He's like, this is Abe Lincoln's piss. <laughs> and I was waiting for him to laugh. <laughs> and I waited like 30 seconds. I'm just staring at this dude and he's dead serious. So he brings his brother over. Yeah. To verify. Just, just to verify. Yeah. So we, we, we he called an expert over. And <laughs> said, Who, who's Abe Lincoln's piss uh, uh, expert over here? So we're both staring at each other, looking at this guy. We're like. I, I am just all of a sudden very uncomfortable, right? I don't like, I don't know what to say. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty good at being able to talk my way out of things. I couldn't get out of this one. I didn't know what to say. And he just starts going in on, you know, this and that. And you know, my grandma told my uncle, and my uncle told my, my sister, my sister told me. And I'm just like, man, I, I think I left. I called up front and I called Anthony who was helping. I was like, get that guy out of the store as fast as possible. I was like, Pam, what do you want for the photo? Get the heck, get him the heck out of here. And that was the Abe Lincoln P story. Um, but by far the weirdest thing that had yeah, ever that been offered to us. I mean, we've had people come in and say, this was so-and-so's plant. You know, this is a plant that was, that was in, you know, I'm a hogs out of, I'm a hogs estate. I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. It doesn't, doesn't really resonate with us. Um, now, what are some cool things we have bought? I mean, we bought some really cool stuff. Um, we bought Texas declaration of independence so original, if you want to see that, I mean, look, you can see it before we leave. It's pretty cool. We don't break it out much. No. We have uh, Naismith's original rules of basketball. So that's something we've owned in the family for about 20 years. Yeah. Really, really cool piece. It was on It was on display at the Houston Museum of Natural Science for about a year, I think back in 2020. Yeah. So if you can share this, uh, what's the largest transaction you've ever done? Uh, retail or wholesale? Because hmm. wholesale, we do a shit ton of big, big transactions. Yeah. You know, okay, 10 retail. million plus. Um, me personally, I sold a customer $4 million worth of gold. Um, you know, four, four or five million. Um, random guy. Was that coins or bullion or? Bullion. Okay. Yeah. Well, actually, I think we, well, we sold them. We sold them 20s. Um, yeah. You know, some pre-33, $20 gold pieces. Um he bought four million that day. He ended up he spent probably twenty million with us, but in that one setting, I mean, he just came in off the rip. I was like, yeah. So we started talking about the product. He's like, yeah, I want to spend like four million. And I was like, okay, pesos. And believe it or not, we actually had that. We had it. And we didn't have it in stock that day, but it was like in transit. And we had some other stuff going on. So I was like, well, I can fill that by Wednesday. He's like, okay. Well, I'm going to wire you. Um, he's actually a, a friend of a mutual friend of ours. So he had already kind of, he had already done his research. Um, and that's the, that's the one thing about people with, with money is like this. A lot of times they don't, you know, it's like, 
I feel like a lot of times we spend more time with the guys, like the $50, $60 guys, and then like the, the big guys, they've already done their research. They already, they're going off their gut. Yeah. They're going off referral. If they're in their your store, they're doing business with you because they've already made up their mind they're going to do it. You don't yeah. need to sell them. You don't need to sway them, right? It seems like the guys that want to buy one coin are the most work, Yeah. right? Because yeah, I was going to say, because it, it's you're right, because it's a... Uh, so... Bigger customers always tend, they want to pay first and they, you know, they pick it up whenever it's ready right. and, you know, it's good. And then the guys that, some guys are picking up one or two coins, it seems like it, it ends up being, right. And to it, their credit, it, it's probably, it's a big transaction. Sure. And it's not something they're comfortable with. Yeah. And, you know, when we put ourselves in their shoes, a lot of times we, we can understand and we get yeah. it, right? Yeah, because I guess the, big, the bigger customers are a lot of word, word of mouth. Referrals. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That well, makes sense. And I hate to say it this way, but they can afford it. You know, they if something weird it. happens, you know, then it's like, oh, that stinks, but it's not going right. to, you know, change the way I live. Where some of these other people who are, you know, maybe die hard into gold right now. I mean, there's a lot of things going on, right? Gold's, I mean, gold did trade. Uh, I think it did hit an all time high today. Mm -hmm. um, it looks pumped and poised to completely break out. As a matter of fact, it probably has already broken out. The chart this morning looked like breakout city. Um, I feel but, like the payment for checks too would have been another another reason why people because uh, they they use a check and then they'd go back and they'd want to pick it up. They say, "Oh, it's cleared my account yeah. two days later." But still we have a check. To, we have a check policy. So if still you want to clear, yeah, come and spend a million bucks. You know, even though we're friends, I'm going to hold your check until it clears. Right? right. I mean, and then and, and clearing just the, you'll see it come out of your account right. probably that day or the next. But that doesn't mean the transaction's finished, right? The transaction's finished when both sides, both both and banks settle. fund and clear, right? right. Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize that that does take time. In this in the digital age, it still takes five to seven business days for us to feel confident in a transaction. And as we spoke to earlier about the wire fraud that's going on, now we have a 24-hour pause exactly for the reason why. Because Chase calls you and said, hey, Russell, this doesn't smell right. Are you sure? And you're like, yeah, I'm sure. And they're like, are you sure? Like they keep giving you tidbits to try to get you to really think about it, you know? Yeah. And you were just like, dead oh. set. This is my buddy. It was his email. You're like, you know what? Let me check. Foolproof. Yeah. But- Those have been those would have been very expensive season tickets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would have to pay it twice. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah, no doubt. But you were so, talking about the market. Sorry. What? Well, I mean, with everything that's going on in the market, I mean, look, to sit here, you yeah. know, and say why, what my opinion is and all that stuff doesn't matter. I mean, people haven't made up in their mind. They don't feel comfortable. They don't want their money in the banks. You know, they definitely don't want in the stock market. And yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty. Real estate's great, but if you're paying to play, if you if you have cash, then you're fine. But if you're going to get a loan, it's expensive out there, right? You know, and things aren't as cheap, and these banks aren't as pliable as they were before, and they don't look as they're they're as solvent as they used to be. And that's some. That's not a blanket statement, but some have proven to be unsolvent, and it's a really really bad feeling. And then you've got all this other stuff going on. Not to mention the biggest elephant in the room is the administration that we're currently in. And we don't take sides, but I'll tell you, it's very uncomfortable for me personally to see what's going on and the way that things are shaping up. Right. It's not a comforting feeling. And I think gold tells you the same thing. Yeah. And I don't think it's backing off anytime soon. I don't know a number. I don't have a projection. I never even think about it because right. I'm a trader. I, right. I'm a day-to-day -day guy, right? Um, yeah. But man, does sure. it feel like you need to have some gold in your portfolio? Yes, 100%. Yeah. And I think the smart money has been buying it all along, 
you don't want to use, I mean, cash, I mean, gold doesn't pay a dividend. It, it, it doesn't, it's not, it's not going to help you. It's a protection against what's unforeseen. And I think once people make amends with that and understand that, then it's like, okay, I'm going to put X amount of my net worth in gold to hedge against any of the craziness that could ensue. Cause it is coming, right? I don't know what it is or what, what is, but man, it just feels like things just kind of keep getting more and more. Yeah. There's a lot like, of different things going on that, yeah. that lead to, you know, gold and silver. Some of the metals have been done fairly well during times like that. Yeah. I think people just look to something. Well, if I could go back in time. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I've heard that before. <laughs> My, uh, well, back in the late sixties, early seventies, my, my dad would go to Mexico and he'd buy the 50 peso. The Centenarios. Oh yeah. And, uh, he would pay $60 for him. And there was a Mexican restaurant chain in Houston. Um, was it Felix? No, which is, yeah, Felix. Yeah. I remember Felix back in the day. So the owner of Felix, they had a small chain, but, uh, she, um, she had his belt made out of these coins Uh wrapped around her. And I think uh, we bought that. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a, she was a big lady, so it was a big belt. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of coins. We yeah. we bought a really, really big one. Okay. Cool. That we thought was a double wrap, but maybe it was a single wrap. You don't you don't have it? You, do you still have it? No, no, no. Okay. No. Yeah, that would be cool to see. No, nah, no, we, we we broke it out and sold it. Wow. Yeah. But anyway, but yeah, so. yeah, no, it was so um yeah. No, they just I mean sixty dollars and I think that coin is probably twenty five hundred maybe. Yeah, twenty six fifty yeah. or something like that, yeah. So that crazy. Uh, yeah. So when people are like, oh, I don't have gold because it doesn't pay a dividend. I'm like, guys, I'm not telling you to put your net worth in it. I'm just right. saying, I think it's smart to have some, right? Just some. I mean, because it does continue to go up. You know, it, it, it I mean, it has its trading days. It's up and down. But I mean, you just look at a 20-year chart and yeah. it rises. Hey, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Coin Shop Podcast. We had a great time talking with Russell. Uh, please check out more episodes. Thank you very much for the support. Um, Guys, check out Camp Hope. It's a great place. Um, They do a lot of great things for a lot of good people. And, you know, your passion's not mine, but at the end of the day, I love it. And I think it's a great place. It's worth checking out and it's worth supporting. Um, Thank you very much, guys. Thank you all the veterans for your service. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much.